Welcome to another edition of On the Inside Track. Have you ever wondered how a person became who they are today? How did they come to certain beliefs? How did they choose a particular path? Who or what influenced the person they are now? Join me, Debbie Hazelton, on the Inside Track as one-on-one my guests and I explore defining moments from there to here on the Inside Track. Oh my goodness. Hello, hello everyone. Here we are. This is the month of June before our national convention next month. And I'm so excited. This is the first time that we're doing On the Inside Track live. And so I want to thank my dear friend Jason Castingway for streaming. And we are on Zoom. And I'm here with Um, my guest and another dear friend who has become a dear friend, Anthony Corona. Hey, Anthony. Hey, thank you. And thank you, Jason, for taking the controls. Thank you so much. (laughs) And on the inside track, for those who do not know, um, this is a show where I am absolutely fascinated with the choices. The subtitle, as you heard, is defining moments from there, wherever there was, to here, wherever here is now. And so some of you already know Anthony Corona from uh, Pride Connection and from the Sunday edition. And now from your new role, can we talk about your new role also, your new role? We can, absolutely. Yes. That you, what is the title of your new role? I am the communications, marketing, and strategy intern for ACB. Wow. Communications and strategy intern? And marketing. Is that what you, yeah. And marketing. Wow. That's a mouthful. Oh my gosh. I think we need to put like C, we need to make an acronym out. <laughs> i think you can you can subtitle it for the first month the convention you know uh, the convention lackey you know guru (laughs) kind of thing (laughs) and then after that we'll uh we'll branch out into some more strategic playing um but i am really excited because we're creating a storytelling boot camp for acb that uh, BPI was in- instrumental in, you know, suggesting, and Tony Stevens mm-hmm. has taken the ball and run with it, and asked me excellent to do the behind the scenes kind of stuff for it. So really excited about that, and I'm really excited that you asked me for the month of June because you mentioned Pride Connection. Um, mm-hmm. I am an out and proud gay man, and um, so I don't know. The universe works in wonderfully mysterious ways, <laughs> but. I started my internship June 1st. It's Pride Month. And um, yeah, so here I am on Inside Track. I love it. Well, so I know we want to talk about, um, and we want to talk about Sunday uh, edition and some other things. But before we do that, let's, if you would, let's 
take a trip and look at some of the defining moments in your life that brought you from wherever there was to where here is now? What comes to mind? Well, you know, I mean, everybody always wants to know what your childhood is like and things like that. And, you know, I can sum, I can sum that up pretty easily. I grew up in a very, very typically Italian family in a very, very typically Italian part of Staten Island. Um, you mm-hmm. know, we spent our time between Staten Island and Brooklyn. And New York is an extremely diverse city, but where I lived and where I went to school was predominantly, you know, families and people like like myself and, and my family. Um, you know, and outside of the family, we were we were told to hold ourselves to a certain standard, never discuss what happens in the family outside the family. So if I really, you know, if I really think about what my first defining, really real defining moment was, you know, it was right between the summer between eighth grade and going into, you know, full on high school, ninth grade. And I had played baseball um, since I was four years old. I was going to be joining the team in, in my high school there. And, you know, there was, it was different. Like you started practice um, the first week of August. And, um, you know, it was all, you know, well, first off, it was tryouts, whether or not you were really actually going to make, you know, the team for the following year and getting to know, you know, the, the team members from the, the previous season. And, and I started to realize that I don't have to be what's, you know, what's been drilled into me up to this point. Um, you know, I you just knew ball. that you had a, a sense of that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I had a coach who who sat us down and and basically said, you know, when you're on the field, when you're here, I get a hundred percent of you. I don't care about your man test. I don't care about your parents. I don't care about your little girlfriend who's going to be looking through the fence and googling at you and so on and so forth. <laughs> and conversely, you know, when you're in math. I don't want you thinking about baseball. You better not be thinking about baseball. You better not fail a math test because you're thinking about baseball. You know, Mm -hmm. and he kind of summed it up by saying, you know, wherever you are, give a hundred percent because there's, you know, there's nothing you can do about where you're not, you know, and as long as you're giving a hundred percent to where you are and you know what you're doing and that for whatever reason that really resonated in me. And I started to realize from that point, everything, you know, I had already worked for and everything I was working towards was different than what my family wanted for me and that there was nothing wrong with it. You know, as long as I put, as long as I started to put myself first, um, you know, I could do and be whatever I wanted to do and be. And so that, that was definitely my first defining moment. And I mean, I'm sure there were others before that, that were, you know, when you first realize your parents are adults, you know, when you realize that Santa doesn't exist and things like that. But this was the first all about me moment. Interesting. And, uh, Interesting that, that you were comfortable with it. It's, it, you know, that you, that you were comfortable with it. Do you remember? How well, you-, you know, that's a double-edged sword. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I'm comfortable mm-hmm. talking about it now. But I really wasn't comfortable with it then. What I okay. what I learned to do was compartmental. And I what I know, what I realized was I had already been compartmentalizing in a lot of ways. 
And I realized that that's the only way I'm going to make it through the next four years is mm-hmm. to make sure that the different pieces of my life stayed in their lanes and okay. the innermost me, I kept to myself until, you know, and from that point forward, it was really a countdown. So I could get out and, and live in the world mm-hmm. that I knew existed, not the world that everybody was telling me that mm-hmm. this is all there is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was hard. It was really hard. Um, but it sounds like even though you weren't totally comfortable with it, knowing that it was, I mean, like maybe it really ramped up the sort of cognitive dissonance of, wow, I'm not who I let them think that I am, or they told me I had to be, I'm, I'm, I'm not that, but this is what I have to do to compartmentalize, to stay in it. You know, and it, again, that's also a double-edged sword because I really had no idea at that point. And some people have told me along the lines, oh, we thought maybe. And, you know, when I finally came out to my mom, she definitely was like, oh, I knew since you were three years old. And I'm like, are you kidding me, lady? Why didn't you tell me in like eighth or ninth or 10th grade and save me a whole lot of like back and forth? Like, what is this and why is this? But um, mm-hmm. because of the compartmentalizing, I that part of myself wasn't allowed to come out at all. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I don't. I to this day, I don't really know how cognizant I was when it start. You know, when I started realizing things, um, I had a girlfriend in high school. We were very um, compatible, so to speak. Um, so you know, I never really thought about it until I got a crush on someone. And I was like, wait a minute, what is this? And why is this happening? No, 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 this, no, no. There's too much already going on in life. I can't deal with this either. So I put it back on the shelf and said, no. Um, but then I got to college and, and things changed. Um, but during, you know, during that period, I really lived like three different lives, you know, and kept them as, you know, as separate as I possibly could. Okay. So how, how come three? The family life. Um, okay. Definitely. You know, there was a lot of dysfunction in my family. Um, members of my family were part of another family, you know, godfather driven, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, so you did not talk about what went on in the family anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, and some things were known in the neighborhood and so on and so forth. Um, you know, and then I had my school life which included baseball, really. I, I include that in, in my school life. And then I started working when I was 14 because I, I, A, I needed to, and B, I needed another space where I could be yeah. a, different, a different Anthony. I was Anthony at um, home, Anthony at school and baseball. And my work life, oh, I could play with different identities and, and figure out you, you know, which of those were part of me. And I didn't know I was doing this, obviously, at that point mm-hmm, in time, but mm-hmm. you know, I knew... I knew for sure I wasn't the same Anthony at home that I was in these two other places. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And were you able to see back then? I was, um, yeah, I, I was able to see till, uh, up till about four, four years ago. Really? Oh my gosh. I don't think I realized that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, that, that's one of the moments. We'll get to that a little later on. Okay, all right. So <laughs> you were dealing with with all these different realms. You were still playing playing baseball and working. What kind of work were you doing? 
I started working in the library. Uh, I put away books mm -hmm. at first, and I was the computer page and and taught people how to use the computer. Um, and then I segued uh -oh, into careful. working behind the desk. <laughs> better not admit that you've taught people how to use the computer. You better not admit those things. You never know who will be calling you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try to keep up, but I will definitely say in the last four years, my computer skills have not followed me as, as much as I'd like them to have, but that'll change soon. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so you did all that working in the library and how was school for you? Um, school came relatively easy to me, thank God. I didn't really have to study hard, um, you know, and I have the gift for writing, uh, which also can be called the gift for gab. So school came pretty easily, you said? Yeah, school came pretty easily. Baseball came pretty easily. You know, somewhere towards the middle of high school, I realized I was really good. I wasn't sure if I was great, but you know, there was talk of, of college and, and things like that. So, you know, I kind of wanted to play professionally, um, but I didn't want, I didn't want that to be the one trick pony. You know, I, I knew that I wanted to get the most out of, out of my education as well. You know, I, I always thought that mm -hmm. I would go into sports medicine after I was done playing and things yeah. like that. So I wanted to keep my grades up. And it, you know, it kept me out of trouble, quite honestly. You know, I did a lot of the things that my friends were doing, but I always did it in moderation and I had baseball or, you know, my very strict Italian parents, depending on, you know, which excuse would work to keep myself out of, out of some of the more, um, you know, the more sticky spots, let's say. But I, I, I did my share of trouble too, though. You know, I was definitely <laughs> was no angel. <laughs> And, and then I went, yeah, okay. And then I went away to college and um, I went to Hofstra, which is in Long Island, and not that far, but you know, it took me off of Staten Island and out of Brooklyn and put me on a campus with just about any and every kind of person you could imagine. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. You know, I was coming in as a baseball star and, um, you know, at that time, Hosh's team was amazing. Um, so, you know, there was an, an immediate attention and, um, you know, I had a lot of new friends and new experiences and, uh, and I had the time and the space of not having to worry about all the family issues and, and things That's like awesome. that. I still work though, but you know, uh -huh. to start exploring other things. And, and that's really where I came into understanding that I was gay. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, my defining moment, my defining moment as far as that goes is, is interesting. I, I, the girlfriend that we spoke about went up to Syracuse and um, she was in a, in a sorority and they were going to have a formal and I had baseball game and stuff and I had to drive up there and, I wanted to surprise her. I originally wasn't going to be able to make it. And then I figured out a way, borrowed a car and so on and so forth. And she was there with someone else oh. <laughs> at the formal. <laughs> oh my gosh. And um, he was adorable. <laughs> <laughs> later, much, much later on that evening, um, you know, I 
caught the the vibe that he was looking at me more than just like, hey, this is her, oh, that's what funny. he might be, boyfriend, ex-boyfriend. He had no idea at that point. We, you know, we uh-huh. were both kind of shell-shocked from different areas. And uh, we ended up making out and fooling around a little bit. And it was like- <laughs> You and the guy. I love it. And here she is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, she was devastated. Um, you, you know, I had- <laughs> my first complete gay dynasty moment like you know i you know score you know i, I oh my gosh that. yeah but oh my gosh at that point it was like wow okay this is not just you know a once in a while feeling like oh this is it this i is didn't know I something was missing mm-hmm. beforehand i mm-hmm. i will give you know my high school girlfriend, you know, props that, you know, it was very good and compatible and both in friendship and the physicality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then just those first touches and kisses and, and the intense, we were, the girlfriend and I were meant to be best friends and we are still very mm-hmm. good friends today. Oh, you know, cool. um, the passion came through mm-hmm. with him and mm-hmm. it was like, oh, well, I could pretend this didn't happen and, you know, keep trying to find this passion with a girl or I could, you know, know what I was just, you know, the knowledge I was just given, I can know it, own it and and kind of move on with figuring out what to do next. And, um, you know, I make it sound a little easier than it was, you know, I stressed over telling, you know, guys that I played with on the team. I stressed mm-hmm. over telling the guys that I was living with in the dorm. Um, you know, I, I, God, I stressed going back to Staten Island, you know? Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. ultimately I can say, and I'm not even if you can hear that, um, I was beyond one of the lucky ones, beyond lucky. You know, I had no one try to hurt me or emotionally mm-hmm. or physically. Um, you know, it was relatively an easy, looking back, it was an easy mm-hmm, process sure. going through it. I, I, it was yeah. crazy, but. But it sounds all, like, it was, it, yeah, it sounds like it allowed you to move into being more of who you are and being comfortable with who you are. Yeah. And, you know, Ultimately. in high school, I had had some, you know, some peripheral experiences seeing, seeing things. We started going to clubs in Manhattan and, and, you know, I understood very well what the, or at least what parts of the lifestyle were, style were like, um, you know, and there were things that I immediately knew, no, I I don't want to be like that. Um, mm-hmm. And things that I couldn't wait to try and explore, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was just, it was just trying to find the balance. But at that point I was still compartmentalizing, you know, I would go home for Thanksgiving and go right back into being the dutiful, good, you know, mm-hmm. serving Anthony. Um, yeah, you sure. know, and, and I find myself literally counting the hours till I could go back mm-hmm. to school. Okay. So you, you, by I that never went no, honestly, yeah. from, yeah, from, freshman, from okay. the summer between freshman and, and sophomore year, I, mm-hmm. I got an apartment. My sister got pregnant and um, subsequently mm-hmm. had my niece you know, and, and I was basically told, well, you're in the world, you're a man, you need to do what you got to do. And, you know, mm-hmm. there'll be a couch in the basement for you, which, you know, I used mm-hmm. at various times, but 
I, I took that as a challenge and said, well, you know what? I don't really want to go back anyway. So let me figure out how to do mm-hmm. this. Um, you know, I was working two jobs at that point um, and going mm-hmm. to school and playing ball. And I got an apartment and uh, never looked back, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said at one point you did talk to your mom. And and so you did you go back home and visit? I, yeah, I went, I went back home and visited and then between, uh, so I have an associates. I never actually got my bachelor's. I stopped in my, um, in my third year, uh, things had happened at home that I needed to take a little bit of time off. Um, and so I got an apartment in Staten Island planning on going back the next September and commuting for three days back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. but I put that off. I, I had great jobs at the time. I was making great money. And I was partying. I was having, I was enjoying, I was really enjoying life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I put it off and put it off and put it off, but professionally I was doing okay. So I kept saying, you know, when things slow down, when I get the time, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to finish. Um, I don't really live with regrets, but it, you know, if, if I did have to name a regret, that would be it. I, you know, I, I wish I did go back and finish. Well, you still may one day, you never know. I might. And what were you, what did you say you were actually majoring in? Recreational therapy. Oh, uh, wow. With a concentration okay. in autism. Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Now, I don't remember if you said, do you have brothers and sisters? I think you. I have a sister. Um, okay. Yeah. She's the only one. But in that kind of Italian family, I have 11 aunts and uncles on my mother's side, on my father's side, and 10 on my mother's side. So, you know, there are cousins that were literally like my brothers and sisters when we were growing up. So what the running joke was, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say the running joke in high school was who hooked up with one of Anthony's cousins. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So what uh, got your interest in autism? Um, actually, the girlfriend. Um, her mother and her aunt were teachers at a school called the Brooklyn School for Special Children. Um, mm-hmm. And it was part of the um, Jewish Children's and Family Services Network. Um, and mm-hmm. summers, we would go and work as teacher's assistants in the school, in the classes. Um, and, and Brooke, she subsequently became a speech therapist, concentrating in, in autism. And, um, you know, then we did some private ABA behavioral stuff in families, going into the homes and trying to teach families how to, to maximize the teaching that their kids are getting in their specialized classes to bring that mm-hmm. back home and to, you know, if it's if the rep- repetition isn't followed through, then the learning process is just longer, harder, more arduous. And with autism, every 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 case, every child is different. So you have to find mm-hmm. out what works for each child, and then reinforce that with the families. And you have some success stories, and you have mm-hmm. some not so successful stories. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, the money you know in that type of in that type of work is not good. Um, so I, I knew that when I finished, I would always work somewhere in, in that realm part-time doing like early intervention or whatever, but I really wanted mm-hmm. to play ball and then go into sports medicine wow. at that point. Yeah, you did say that. Okay. That's interesting. So, so you kept on playing ball then? I kept For on playing long? ball. <laughs> yeah. I kept on playing lots of balls. <laughs> yeah. 
I enjoyed college. I, I enjoyed those years very much. Um, mm-hmm. I got a little big for my britches at one point and I realized, Ooh, I don't like this. You know, you watch all those movies, like, you know, the A crowd, the in crowd, um, mm-hmm. you know, and you want to be it. And then, you know, you get in it and you're there and sometimes you don't like what it's all, or at least for me, I didn't like what it was all about. And I most certainly didn't like who I was becoming. So I kind of mm-hmm. pulled myself out of that. And then life okay. handed me one of those defining moments. Um, I had an accident. Um and I blew out my knee. And, you know, when I went back to, to play, I was still good. I knew I was good, but that magic component was gone. I wasn't close to great anymore. I knew that mm-hmm. it would never be, it would never be that, um, you know, and I, and I had to figure out, oh, okay, well, what do I do now? Um, you know, and that all happened at the, at the same time. My grandmother had died and there were things going on in the family. My sister gave birth. So I went home for a little while to regroup. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Not home to my family's house. I got no. an apartment on no. Staten Island and, and um, you know, was working three different jobs and, and loved it. Mm-hmm. And I worked retail. I was doing some early intervention. Uh, I worked in a supermarket. Then I left the supermarket to work at a bank, still doing my other two jobs, and and was just trying out a lot of different things. I worked for Costco, and I was with Banana Republic, and then The Gap. Um, I took an area manager job with them and gave up one of the other two jobs because I was making really nice money. And I had always written, um, mm-hmm. and right before 9-11, um, I started applying for a newspaper in New York called The Village Voice. And they asked me to write a couple of pieces and they strung me along for the longest time. And right when I was looking at a promotion in the Gap franchise, um, they offered me a job. And it was a lot less money. (laughs) And what ended up being a lot more work, but it was writing. And um, Mm -hmm. I I took the job, I took the job. Mm-hmm. I worked for them for a year and a half, um, mm-hmm. and I loved every minute of it. And a headhunter approached me, and uh, with an you know with a, an offer to interview with the Associated Press. That and, is um, so cool. Yeah, I um I didn't you know I I was a little big for my britches at that point too. Um, I I didn't think I didn't I didn't think that it was the move that I was meant to make. So I basically just wrote up, uh, you know, a writer, so to speak, of everything that I wanted, including being able to work from home a couple of days a week. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and I threw this at, at the uh, at the headhunter and said, well, you know, I'll go for the interview and these are the things that I want for the contract, um, thinking that they would never, ever give me what I, what I asked for. Um, but they did. They gave me everything but one of my, of my items. Oh my God. And I went on board with the Associated Press. And, uh, Mm. And then I stopped working multiple jobs. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Wow. So, yeah. and were you working? Um, were you working full time for them? Or, I mean, it sounds like you had enough that you could leave all those jobs. So that's great. Yeah, I I went in um, doing science and arts and cultures, or arts, mm-hmm. arts and culture. Um, you know, and I would do a lot of different, a lot of different pieces. Once in a while I would do editorials, 
But the way the Associated Press works is, you know, you basically get requests for article or material and the turnover time is very, very quick. Um, you know, so one minute I could be writing about a new exhibit opening in the Smithsonian, you know, and the next minute, um, you know, I was tapped to, to look at some stuff, you know, going on like in NASA or, I mean, those first two years were amazing. I got exposure to all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but my personality <laughs> tends to be aggressive and managerial in nature. I'm, I'm very, very much a Virgo. Uh, and the entertainment division was having some problems and they asked me if I would step in and, and, you know, kind of pull it together and, and pull the, de- the department together. Um, and then from there, I became the managing editor for the East Coast Bureau of the Entertainment. Goodness. Wow. Of the Associated Press. And I spent the rest mm-hmm. of my career writing Kardashian and Whitney Houston and Lindsay Lohan and. I had some oh amazing, amazing experiences. You know, I've been to Grammy Awards. Wow. I never made it to the Oscars, though, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I mean, I spent one quick fun story I could tell you is I spent what was supposed to be a week with Mariah Carey, Scary Carey. Um, and it was it was right after she had come back from, you know, the loony kind of period of her career and the big single We Belong Together. I don't know if you remember it, but it was when she, her career was coming back on track and um, mm-hmm. there, you know, mm. there was a request for an article for Entertainment Weekly that was basically sort of a week in the life of Mariah Carey. And um, so they sent me a flash drive at that point with four songs on it and wanted me to do an album review. And that was the beginning of the, tr- of the trouble. But oh, when I finally yeah. got to sit down with her, she pulls me, makes me wait for like three hours um, you know, and her assistant's bringing me water and coffee and all that. And she comes into the room and, and she says, my songs are angels. They're bodiless angels. They're heads with wings. And when they're ready to be born into the world, they sing into my ear and tell me that someone in the world needs them. And I hmm. paused and I said, wow. Okay. That's awesome. Um, I think I've got yeah. all I need. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, it, yeah. Was, it, yeah, it was definitely a trip, but That's it was an amazing experience. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So you worked there, I think you told me eight years, huh? Uh, well, altogether a little over 10. Um, okay. Eight years I, I spent basically managing the entertainment division on the East Coast. And I did a lot of writing, but it became more, you know, as, as the business changed, you know, it went, it, you know, it went from magazine in print and, you know, the post, uh, the New York post became, you know, a gossip, you know, a gossip magazine more than an actual newspaper. And so our division blew up, you know, five years into it, we made more for the company than every other division taking out sports combined. Mm. So, you know, it, it became more and more managerial, managing staff, scheduling, you know, performance reviews, all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. and making sure mm-hmm. when you're in media, you've got to make sure you have confirmations for anything you're printing, uh, you know, especially if you're directly quoting. So I had to manage and make sure, you know, the reporters that were working with me 
would sometimes say, oh, you know, well, this one, let me know that they'll be sending me these. Well, then we cannot send this out until we have the paperwork here. We cannot send this out. You know, and once in a blue moon, I push the envelope a little bit, but for the most part, you know, I was really good at what I did and I enjoyed it. They enjoyed me. They gave me everything I wanted. So it was a happy, a really happy time. That's wonderful. So it sounds like you were really pretty happy doing that job. I was, I really was. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've had some amazing experiences because of it. Um, towards the end, I was definitely getting burned out. I was thinking, you know, the, the business kept changing, right? Every time we got a grasp and we thought, okay, you know, the bottom is, has dropped out as far as the publishing industry is concerned, you know, we're going to find a footing and, and figure out how to do this you know, in the new world, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know, things would change again. You know, internet blogging really, yeah. really, really destroyed uh, the, you know, the, the demand for on-the-spot news media. Facebook, you know, as much as mm -hmm. I love it as a personal service, it really destroyed um, journalism in a way. Mm -hmm. And uh, so towards the end, I was definitely trying to figure out, you know, I want to write a book, I want to do this, I want to do that, but I had no clear... I had no clear path and mm -hmm. up until that point, up until that point in my life, everything that happened kind of always came along with, with something, you know, I don't want to say God. I, I prefer to say the universe. I am, I'm spiritual. Okay. I believe that there's a God. I don't know what mm -hmm. form he or she takes. Um, mm -hmm. But there was always something that, that helped me make my decision. Um, oh. And nothing was coming at that point. Please nothing me. that was nothing was coming to help you make that decision yeah. of what to do next yeah you know i had formed mm -hmm. out a couple of ideas for books and i didn't get quite rejected but i didn't get any interest in like okay hey let's let me see an outline and let's talk about this further um mm -hmm. you know so that really wasn't tagging and i i had flirted with the idea of going back into the autism world in some form maybe doing some research going back to school um, but nothing, nothing was coming at me to help me make the decision. The money was good. So even though I was burned out, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't quite want to stop partying either, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I was, I was approaching 40 and still having the time of my life in a lot of ways. And so, you, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it was also kind of buzzing in my head. Like, okay, when, you know, when it's time to make a change, you will. Um, mm -hmm. And then, <laughs> and then I lost my eyesight. Um, and there, you know, for a while, I felt like there was no choices or decision to make. Um, I had had. How did that an happen? I even had an accident white water rafting um, a few years before, mm -hmm. and I had um, bilateral partial deta retina, retina detachments. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, you know, and they put silicone in the back of my eyes to, to hold them in place and have them reattach and, and grow strong. Um, you know, and they said that I'd have to keep it in for about six months towards the end of that first six months, they told me, well, you know, it's not looking that great. So we're going to keep, we're going to take some of it out and put some new in so that it doesn't harden and this and that, but you may have to have this for the rest of your life and you absolutely have to be very very careful now once the mm -hmm. retina is detached you know a, a you know anything mm -hmm. any minor trauma to the head or or the body could cause them to detach again and if they detach again you're screwed 
Uh, I hope I can say that on air. Yeah, I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> Fast forward about four years later, um, you know, I was working hard and and my dad suddenly passed away. And um, yeah, um, it was four years ago this March. And, um, you know, so I, he had retired five months on his birthday, October 24th, five months to the day, March 24th is the day he had retired and moved to Virginia. Um, so I immediately, you know, went down to Virginia and, and started doing, but I started getting these headaches and I had this rash in the back of my head. Um, but of course I was too busy to really pay attention to it. Um, and then I started getting these like flashes in my, you know, in my sight line, um, mm. and weird kind of mm. in and out. Are we Okay. Yeah, okay. that call was trying to come in. It's okay. Um, weird in and out kind of sight. So I went to the emergency room and they were like, you've got to go now. Now. And the closest specialist was Richmond, Virginia. So I figured, forget, if I'm going to have to go all the way to Richmond, I might as well go back to New York where I know medical care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Forgive me, but that's that's where I, that's what I know. That's, you know, I want to be Yeah, back. sure. Uh, it turns out I had shingles. Um, oh and it was God. in the tissues of my ears, my eyes, oh my in, in the tissues around um, my brain, and oh. it was it was eating at the retinas. Oh um, my God! Yeah, they were detaching again. <gasps> um, we put in a grand battle. Uh, I went for eye injections and all kinds of things. Oh um, yeah, for a couple of weeks, but ultimately, too much you know, too much damage had been done by the time I got to the doctor for them really to save much. Um, I have Ooh. no vision in the right eye and just basically light perception on the left. Wow, I mean, what a lot for you to have to deal with all at once. Oh my God. I, mean, I yeah. you know, at this moment, I still, I still can't tell you exactly how I dealt with it. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. I went yeah. on autopilot for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'll talk about the universe that works in mysterious and strange ways. Uh-huh. I had moved into an apartment not long after Sandy. Mm-hmm. Um, another interesting story, Sandy, I was in a cottage that got destroyed, but that's besides the point. I had moved into an apartment and a woman on my floor was legally blind. Um, oh, wow. You know, her life consisted of somebody came seven days a week for eight hours a day. They made her meals. They helped her out. She never left the block. She would take a walk up and down the block. But she never, you know, other than to go with the aid to food shop or or do some laundry or something, she never left the house. Mm. And subconsciously, I knew from the very beginning, like, no, oh, no, 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 I, that, I don't want to be that. I can't be that. <laughs> uh-huh. So, you know, I, I started mobility training. Um, but part of me kept thinking the miracle is going to happen. This next, you know, I did six surgeries. We did a lot to try to save some eyesight. Um, and they were basically telling me, you know, it's a long shot you know, we're going to try this because, it, you know, you might get a little bit of vision. You might get this, you might, but, it, you know, they were, they were preparing me. I didn't want to hear it. You know, the next surgery mm-hmm. is going to be the one and with glasses and I'll be really careful and I'll never have another detachment, but you know, once they fix it, it's, you know, I can go back to regular life. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, by the sixth surgery, I kind of knew going in, yeah. okay, yeah, this isn't going to work. But, um, you know, from, from there, I was like, okay, well, you know, I, 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 I can't, I have to live. So what do I do? And, you know, the first thing was mobility training and, um, mm-hmm. learning jaws and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. and that takes up a lot of time and a lot of energy. So for the yeah. first year I was just on autopilot, I, you know, mm-hmm. I pushed almost everyone in my life away, um, mm-hmm. or just faded away. I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't do any kind of grand gestures. Like, you know, a lot, most people didn't know what happened. Most people had no yeah, idea just anything. Kind of, yeah. I just disappeared. Yeah. Were I you still working? Thing. No. Um, I was picking up, you know, pieces once in a while, freelance wise, and they kept me, um, they kept me on an extended leave for the first couple of months, hoping, you know, because at that point I wasn't mm-hmm. telling them, well, I'm going to be blind for life. I, I'm doing <clears> this <throat> surgery and I'm doing that surgery. Uh-huh. Um, you know, but I knew, you know, that the time was ending and they were not going to be able to keep me, you, you know, uh, keep, keep my position waiting. And I had to, God, I hated, I hated oh, having God. that conversation. Oh, you know, it was like, okay, you know, what can you do? What, you know, and I'm like, you know, they were telling me about these programs, JAWS, and I probably be able to create content not too long from now. You know, well, when you get up and, you know, get up and running, let us know. Um, Mm. And a little bit into it, I realized, you know, even with the technology that exists right now, um, that job was no longer a possibility. You know, you get a request for information and, and it's a 15 minute turnaround and they want a completely edited, finished piece, so on and so forth. Mm. You know, I would have to have a sighted person doing half the job. So why would they pay me if I had to have a sighted assistant uh, as well? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. You yeah. know, and the... Oh, the company God. had been cut to bare bones at that point. You know, when I started, we had 16 research assistants, two department secretaries, so on and so forth. When I left, we had two research assistants and an office manager that handled three departments. You know, it's all on the road. A lot of change. Yeah, How did your you, family? Yeah. How did um, your family handle the site loss? Uh. <laughs> Poor him, and Aww. honestly, I pushed I pushed them away mostly too. You know, there was a big um, battle, so to speak, over what my he didn't leave much, but what he did leave um, was not it wasn't gener it wasn't generously shared. Let's say so that put a lot of divide already. Um, and my mom is a very miserable she's uh, an alcoholic and, and a very miserable person uh, my sister was relatively supportive but she got her and my mom made some deals and and screwed you know me and and her own kids <laughs> unfortunately um, so that put a lot of a lot of uh stress and strain on things and by the time that all repaired itself i was already dealing with with this pretty well for the most part mm-hmm. um I don't really have a lot to do with my family anymore. Um, okay. And that's a, that's a choice I had to make along the way. Uh-huh. You know, if it's, if it's a choice between me and them, I've got to choose me, uh-huh. you know, and for okay. almost, almost 40 years of my life, I always chose everyone else first, mm-hmm. um, you know, in that respect. <clears throat> and so, you know, once I started mm-hmm. choosing me, things got, things got a lot 
easier to deal with because most of them didn't want to deal with me anymore. And that's fine. (laughs) Man. Yeah. So, so there's a real defining moment, you know, I mean, you decided that you still needed to deal with you and you still needed to be there for you, even if others weren't. Yeah. You know, when, when things are good and and you've got some money to throw around and you're always willing to help out and you're always willing to be there, um, you know, everybody is your best friend. Um, But when those circumstances change, you you know, you you really get to see who people really are. And Mm -hmm. I think internally, I I always knew it it didn't come like, it wasn't devastating. It didn't come as a big Mm -hmm. shock or anything. It was just like, well, Hey, this sucks. You know, all right, mm-hmm. keep it moving. But it sounds like, yeah, you did start to get the help in the mobility and and learning jaws and things like that, and maybe some maybe some new friends. Were there new friends? <laughs> Not at first, but Not at first, we'll, no. we'll definitely get to that too. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, we can get to that right now because I will. Yeah. I will say, you know, categorically, this is my experience. You know, opinions expressed mm-hmm. are mine and mine alone. Uh-huh. But I hated the cane. I couldn't yeah. stand every single moment. I hated it. I was an athlete. I move, talk, walk fast. So that was just, it was horrible. Oh, you for hated me the cane. Okay. I hated sure. the cane. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I did rather well at it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, a little bit, a little bit about before a year of, of full-on, you know, mobility training, we started discussing the, the possibility of applying for a dog. Um, and I was, I was told, you know, don't get your hopes up the first round. They really don't like to give a dog to someone who doesn't have at least two years of independent mobility, you know, um, you know, skills on their own. Depends on the school, but yeah. Okay. So I applied to three schools and, um, mm-hmm. you know, started crossing my fingers because, I, you know, like I said, I, I literally hated every moment of having to use that cane. Um, mm-hmm. And one school sent someone out. Uh, we did the interview. I took them. I lived in Staten Island. And for those for those people who may not know, Staten Island is, is an, a borough uh, of New York City and it's below Manhattan. So I got on a bus, the ferry into Manhattan a train and walked around mm-hmm. uh, what's called Union Square. It's a, you know, it's a mini Times Square, let's, let's say. And the guy was like, yeah, um, you know, yeah, you will do well with a dog. I didn't know that behind the scenes, he actually fought. Um, he fought for me. You know, he brought my case to the board of the school and they, um, they decided to give it, give me a try. Uh, you know, with the caveat wow. that, you know, if it wasn't working out, they'd send me home you know, and bring me back in a couple months, you know, when I was ready for it. And um, inside me, that that's probably the biggest defining moment of my life. Because if the dog, if it didn't work out, um, his name is Bodhi, he's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Well, one of the two best things that's ever happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if it didn't work out, I I didn't have an actual plan, so to speak, but I knew I'm I'm out, you know. I've had mm-hmm. a great run. Life has been good for the most part, but I'm not going to live. I can't, I can't live this way for another 40, 50 years. God bless. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I got up to the school. I was the only new, uh, you know, first time dog um, user. 
everybody else mm-hmm. was there returning, getting, you know, another dog, third dog, fourth dog. Um, and for whatever, you know, the universe, again, you know, the school <laughs> said multiple times, you know, to all of us as a group, this is the tightest, uh, best group we've had in years. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Aww. They were all extremely supportive, and and we, you know, we spent every night in the lounge. We we nicknamed it the Leather Lounge after dark, and you know we were there till <laughs> one or two o'clock in the morning, sharing experiences. And everything that I didn't learn, or you know, or wasn't exposed to, everybody thinks that New York City, like, oh my God, if you go blind in New York, that's the best place to be. Well, <laughs> not so much, you know, you have to have to, you have to advocate for yourself really, really well. And I'm sure I know that's the way it is around the country, but you would think that once you get, start getting into the system and so to speak that, you know, the rest of the doors would, you know, would be available and open. Uh, it wasn't until I got to guide dog school that, you know, I even heard about the organizations, you know, oh, ACB. Okay. It was, Yay. yeah. <laughs> you know, it oh, wasn't, right. I, I had never even heard of vocational rehab, you know, I had a mobility. Okay. I might have uh-huh. heard of it and, you know, and she might have told me, you know, you need to call here or something. And it got lost in the mm-hmm. shuffle of everything else. But by the mm-hmm. time I got voc rehab, when they came to the house, I already had the dog and they bring me this little machine to hang on my cup that'll beep when, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, that's what my finger's for. What else you got for me? Um, you know, <laughs> oh, well, how do you deal with your money? Well, I fold my twenties this way. Well, who taught you that? Mm-hmm. I looked me. it up online, and and, <laughs> and me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, not that I got sure. nothing out of folk rehab, but at that point, you know, but everything, everything that precipitated, you know, not only did I get Bodie, which you know, again, was the the absolute best thing up until that point that has that has ever happened to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I played a game of baseball, by the way, in Yankee Stadium. It wasn't a Yankee game, but I played a game in Yankee yeah. Stadium. Oh, that cool. was one of my moments. But yeah. um, getting Bodie, man, uh, it, it, you know, I no longer needed to, you know, think about coming up with a plan. And, and I started to realize, okay, well, now, you know, I've learned, I've learned how to get around and I'm, I've got some, some time with, with various software and God bless Apple. I know we're not supposed to um, mm-hmm. we're not supposed to pick one or the other, but God bless Apple because the iPhone is what got it's me through right. the first you can couple pick months. What's for you, that's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, with nobody telling me, you know, or offering me solutions other than, <laughs> hey, you can go to this Jaws class and you're going to learn how to walk with the cane and or here's you know, this good app or anything like yeah. that. Sure. No, I, I I didn't know about um, be my eyes or tap tap C until I got to the school. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it okay. was so, I didn't know about NLS sure. Bard. I, and uh-huh. it was like, yeah, oh, you know, because at that point I had like no available. I went through all of my savings before Social Security kicked in, um, so I hadn't bought a new book in in months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, no, there's thousands and thousands of books. All you yeah. have to do is download them. Right. Uh huh. That yeah. was that. That was going to guide dog school was like six Christmases in a row, honestly. (laughs) And uh, okay, this is very, very cool. So, you started to find all these wonderful things, and um, somewhere in all this, you found ACB and and you found Gabe. I did, Um, and again, the universe. I wasn't going to go 
um, to convention. I had had an experience with the other uh, organization and mm -hmm. it didn't go well. Um, <laughs> so I basically said, well, why would I spend money? You just spend seven days with people like that. <laughs> like, you no. Know. So one of my roommates, one of my friends from guide dog school uh, had somebody pull out at the last minute. So we would split the hotel. It was mm -hmm. Rochester. So it was, a, it was a train instead oh. of a plane. And at that point, money wise, I, you know, it was like, okay, uh -huh. well, I could take the plane and have no spending money or I could take the train, you know, and have a little bit to mm -hmm. play with. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was sitting in an IRA, uh, information session and I okay. heard this guy and, uh, I was it, like dumbstruck for a second. You know, it was just like this incredibly intelligent speaking sounding guy. And then he disappeared after the seminar. But uh, the next night at the mixer, the BPI mixer, I went in to introduce myself. It was my first, I, you know, I, when I registered with mm -hmm. Janet, she's amazing. She told me about BPI. And so I registered for the mixer. And when I walked in, mm -hmm. he was there. And, mm -hmm. So you know, I never, yeah. Oh, yeah. I never believed in mm -hmm. it, truly in love at first sight or first hear. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh -huh. And, you know, that might be simplifying it just a tiny bit, but yeah. you know, we met July 7th and we've been together ever since. Well, that is very, very cool. And I know you two have a wonderful relationship. It's, it's very rich and it's very fun. And I know you're the best of friends as well. And that is really wonderful. All those and, holes, I, I just mm -hmm. have to say this, all those holes that you know family and and especially after you know losing all of the site you know Bodhi filled a good a good amount of them but there was still some dark deep ones that mm -hmm. i kind of thought it before convention i kind of thought would never I, I would never feel those kind of things again mm -hmm. um he's the most amazing amazing guy the most amazing person i've ever met he fills all those That's holes cool. in there very, very sweet. I love it. So I know that you uh, co-host Pride Connection and you too, really, you work at, you also co-host um, a podcast, correct? Um, with some other people. I do. Soaps? I do a soap opera po podcast every uh, other Thursday night. Um, I've been doing that for, um, it's about six, it's about to be the six year anniversary. Um, wow. And I love that. And so the opportunity mm -hmm. came along, you know, to do um, Pride Connection. And it was like, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We co-host with Leah Gardner, who's our vice president uh -huh. and an amazing, amazing woman. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, you and I be started becoming really good friends. And, and oh, I absolutely you. love you. You know that. Aww. We started talking about the possibility of doing a second show and Sunday edition was born. And um, it wasn't I, only a possibility. You said, I want to do this and I've, I'm ready to start next Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Virgo. <laughs> I love it. Jason, can we hear that promo? Sure you can. Thank you. And here comes Dynasty again. <laughs> Introducing Sunday Edition with Anthony. A weekly magazine show featuring the movers and shakers of our beloved organization. Topics and news that affect us all. 
some great roundtable discussions, and of course, a lot of fun. So join me every Sunday at 1 p.m. on ACB Radio Mainstream for Sunday edition. I love it. And you have had a lot of movers and shakers in this organization. And it didn't take, but I don't even know. I think after the first show, I was in a staff meeting and everybody was saying, oh yeah, I've been interviewed by Anthony or I'm going to be interviewed by Anthony. And Clark said, I'm going to be interviewed by Anthony. I don't feel special (laughs) anymore. It was like a household name. (laughs) So I wonder... What makes you such a good interviewer? Well, first, I just want to spend a, send a special shout out to Florida Council of the Blind because they allowed me to to join Gabe on Leadership Weekend, and I met uh, I met everyone, you know Kelly Clark Claire, and and I found ACB passion there. Um, what makes me a great interviewer? I, I think, well, thank you first of all for saying that, but. Um, I don't really interview. I have conversation. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm never going to be Barbara Walters. You know, if I get you to cry, it's not because I was trying to get you to cry. <laughs> um, I really just want, I want everyone to see the person that I'm talking to. I want them to mm-hmm. feel like they're, ha- like they're sitting at, you know, at the kitchen table with a cup of coffee, a cheese Danish. Mm-hmm you know, mm-hmm. and, and we're having that the yeah. kind of coffee clutch that my grandmother had when, when I was growing up and I, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what I wanted well, to be. Well, and that's what you bring. And so it is a wonderful gift to have you as part of the American Council of the Blind. And it's wonderful to be your friend. And I just want to thank you for being with me on the inside track. I wish we could go on forever, but maybe we'll do it again. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank and you. Watch, listen to Sunday edition and Pride Connection on ACP radio. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Deb. Have a great evening. You too. Time for us to start reaching for the light.